I want to share the importance of hands-on learning. It's one of the three main learning styles students possess. The buzzword we are looking for is kinesthetic learner. All that it really means is that some students learn best when their sense of touch is involved, where others depend primarily on their sense of sight or hearing. Hands-on learners are often the ones to whom standard lesson plans don't cater. So it's worth making a point to include movement-based activities when planning any lesson. Another reason to teach hands-on is because research shows it's one of the most effective ways to teach English language learners. The teaching method known as Total Physical Response, or TPR, intentionally associates physical movements with language instruction. The method is so effective, even beginners thrive under this type of instruction. Some classrooms rely completely on TPR for instruction, but I find that blending movement activities with other teaching methods is most effective at any level ESL class. Finally, hands-on teaching gives your students a great experience. If someone asks me about the most meaningful lecture I heard in high school, I'm not sure that I could name one. I can, however, tell you about several hands-on activities I did in those otherwise less-than-memorable classes. Students remember the activities that involve their whole person. They engage more easily and remember information better. Most of all, they tend to have fun. And all of that is what makes hands-on lessons essential and effective. Welcome to episode 45 of the Teacher Rockstar Podcast, a place where tips and strategies critical to the new teacher are discussed. I'm your host, Steve Hiles, and in today's episode, we're going to be talking about hands-on activities for English language learners. Okay, let's dive right in. The benefits of hands-on learning. Okay, hands-on is by no means a new movement, okay? Uh, that being said, even today, many schools find it difficult to incorporate hands-on projects and principles into student work. Now this can be a particular challenge for public schools which often have tight budgets and less freedom in developing curriculum. And that's a real shame because hands-on learning brings so many benefits to students. Let's take a, a look at some. It's it's more engaging way to learn. Uh, it can lead to increased retention. It can offer practice and problem solving and critical thinking skills. It often results in a physical creation. Okay, some children learn best by looking at visuals. Some children learn best by listening to a parent or teacher speak. And some children learn best by reading and writing about something. Now these are called visual, auditory, and reading slash writing learning styles respectively. But there is a fourth learning style that is easy to overlook. And that's kinesthetic learning, which is a fancy way of saying learning by doing. There are a lot of theories about why hands-on learning is so effective. The reality is there is no single reason why. But one hard-to-argue fact about hands-on learning is this. It is incredibly engaging. When students are encouraged to do something, they are engaged in active learning. 
they're practicing their skills and they're putting their knowledge to the test. Most importantly, they are actively creating knowledge instead of passively consuming it. You get the point here? In order to create, in order to do, students must be engaged in their education. And engagement has, for years, been linked to greater academic success, like increased test scores and greater academic achievements. Let's take a look at another uh, thing here. Hands-on gives students practice. Beyond simply leading to better engagement, hands-on learning allows students to practice the skills that they have already learned, as anyone who has ever learned a skill or learned information can attest to. The more practice you get, the better you get at that skill, right? And the better you will be able to retain the information. Now we can, for example, see this in action in many science classes around the country, which pair traditional study, that being lecture, discussion, reading, with active learning concepts and lab sessions. While students may learn about a concept in the classroom, it is by walking through an experiment in the laboratory that they are able to put that concept into action and gain practice in actually applying it. This process has been shown to lead to higher retention and a better understanding in the subject. Another point here, hands-on gives students something real. When it comes to education, one of the most difficult things for young children to understand is why what they are learning is important. They want to know, when will I use this in my life? And why does it matter, right? These are questions I've asked myself uh, in, in my classes that I've taken in school. Incorporating hands-on learning into the classroom or into the home is an easy way for parents and teachers to show their children exactly uh, how what they are learning can be used in the real world. Through hands-on learning, students will um, often actively create something, you know, whether it's an essay, a story, it could be a piece of art, a construction project, or something else. This is something real. It is something that a student can look at and think, I was able to create this because of what I have learned and because of the skills that I've practiced. Because of me, it is here. That realization is incredibly empowering because it shows students that they can have an impact on the world around them. It shows them that they can use their education to achieve something. And it's a physical embodiment of what they have learned. Moving on to another point, hands-on lets students be creative. And creativity is a muscle. And just like other muscles in your body, it needs to be regularly exercised or else it will become harder and harder to be creative. Hands-on learning gives your child one more opportunity to exercise their creative skills so that they don't lose them. And it's important to note here that when people hear the word creativity, their minds often go immediately to subjects like art and music. While these are, of course, important classes for children and should play a role in your child's education, they're not the only way that your child can be creative. Think about it. Given enough practice, it's possible for your child to put their creativity to use in classes as diverse as history, science, and even mathematics. You might be wondering, how could that be? To answer simply, creativity encourages children to develop a new way of thinking about something. This new way of exploring a concept or idea can lead to insights that may otherwise have been hidden. For example, your child may have learned to complete a math problem in a certain way, but that doesn't mean it's the only way that the problem can be solved. 
A creative student may look at a problem and find a brand new way of completing it. That's why I'm such a strong proponent of Singapore mathematics. Moving on here, hands-on learning in the time of COVID-19. When children are enrolled in a school that emphasizes hands-on learning, most of what learning is like to take place in a classroom. Science labs, uh, maker spaces, and even just traditional classrooms are all equipped with tools to facilitate such exercises. Unfortunately, due to COVID-19 and the social distancing guidelines necessary to keep the pandemic at bay, children may not physically be in the classroom at this time. This means that they may be lacking the tools and supervision required to help them complete various hands-on learning tasks. This does not, however, mean that hands-on learning no longer has a role to play in, in your child's education. If your child's school hasn't taken steps to build hands-on activities into their remote curriculum. Luckily, there are steps that you can take to facilitate these yourself. You might, for example, encourage your child to create a diorama illustrating a critical scene from their summer reading assignments. If your child is an uh, aspiring coder, for example, there are many resources you could turn to online or purchase from a store to let them practice their skills. The possibilities, my friend, are really endless. Long term, however, you should speak with your child's school to understand what steps they are taking to bring hands-on learning into their virtual classrooms, especially if we are faced with a second round of distance learning this fall. If they are unable to give you an adequate answer and if hands-on learning is important to you, then it may be time to think about transferring to a school that does have a plan and can meet your expectations. What can parents do to encourage hands-on learning in their children? When children are young and at home, parents have more control over how their children learn. At this stage of a child's life, it's important for parents to encourage hands-on activities that will challenge your child to learn through doing. But when a child moves beyond the home, let's say entering a nursery program or preschool, kindergarten or grade school, parents who prioritize hands-on education will need to find a school that shares this priority. In addition to evaluating the school's curriculum and asking questions during the admissions process, parents should also keep an eye out for schools that embrace maker education, which encourages learning through doing and offers many other benefits similar to hands-on education. And now, my friend, a quick word from our sponsor. Would you like to supercharge your classroom management skills? Well, if you're a brand new teacher, a student teacher, or perhaps you're a teacher returning back to the classroom, the Teacher Rockstar Academy course is for you. Gain the confidence, the skills you'll need to crush it on day one and beyond. Enroll now at the TeacherRockstarAcademy.com. That's TeacherRockstarAcademy.com. Now let's talk about some super cool hands-on exercises that teach English prepositions. Number one, draw my directions. Now here's how this goes. Drawing is a simple way to engage students' bodies as well as their creativity when they're learning about prepositions. In this exercise, you will give instructions for drawing a picture without telling your students the object that they are drawing. As you give the instructions, you should use prepositions to describe each piece of the picture in relation to the other. Students will not be able to see the picture that you are describing. Okay, that's a real neat uh, activity there. Okay, number two, preposition Simon says. Okay, I think your kids will have a blast with this one as well. Games are fun and functional in the classroom. 
Simon says it's a great game, especially when students look like they've been sitting too long. You can do a simple version of Simon Says to teach and preview uh, prepositions. Have all your students stand and choose one object that everyone has and can use while playing. You might choose a pencil, a book, or even a desk chair. Play the game as you normally would, but with each instruction use a preposition to describe where the player is in relation to the object that you are using. For example, you might give instructions like, Simon says, stand on your chair, or Simon says, put your hand under the chair. Or you could say, Simon says, hold your chair in front of you. Well, these are just a few examples. There are many more that you could use. Let's move on to the next activity. Uh, number three, four corners. Now this active game challenges students to think before they move. They will be choosing the correct preposition to complete a sentence. Start by labeling each corner of your classroom with a preposition. You can target prepositions of location, phrasal verbs, or other aspects of English prepositions that you want. Have all your students stand in the center of the room with the furniture pushed out of the way. To play, you read a sentence out loud or project it on a screen or smart board. Replace the preposition in the sentence with a blank. After students hear the sentence, they must move to the correct corner of the room to complete the sentence logically. Now, any student who moves to the wrong corner of the room is out of the round. If no one moves quickly to the wrong corner, that is, if everyone chooses the correct answer, the last person to get there is eliminated. Keep playing until only one person remains. If you like, change up the prepositions in your corners and play another round. Number four, what's missing activity? Now, this is a memory game that will necessitate the use of prepositions. Start by putting a tray or desk in front of your room. The tray should have several common items on it. Between 5 and 10 is usually a good number. The more items you have on a tray, the more difficult the activity is going to be. So give students one minute to study the objects on the tray. Then hide it from their view and either move one object or remove it. Now show the tray to your students again. They must determine what is different. So if you moved an object, they might say the pencil is next to the pen now before it was across from the coffee mug. If you remove an object, students might say something like, the cup is no longer on the tray. It was in front of the pencil case, but it's gone now. When students get good at noticing these changes, try removing one object and moving two or more others, if you like. Award points to the first person to notice a change. You could extend this activity by letting students arrange and move their own objects. Give them several pictures or small objects to arrange on their desk and have each person do the activity with a partner. Let students take turns moving the objects around and being the one to guess the changes that were made. Now here's another quick word from our sponsor. Imagine having access to educational products, instructional videos, Teacher podcasts and articles worth over $1,000 for just pennies a day. Wouldn't that be awesome? And you know something? Here's the best part. You get a seven-day free trial. So really, what do you have to lose? Check it out and take a good look around. Simply go to MyTeacherMembership.com. That's MyTeacherMembership.com. I will be adding more products each and every month. You're going to love being part of this teacher membership community. All right, let's continue on to tip number five, and that's the paper bag neighborhoods. In this art slash grammar activity, 
Students are going to create their own model town based on the directions that you give them. Start by giving each student written directions on how to build a paper bag house. Your directions should include specific locations for windows, doors, etc. These directions should include prepositions. If you like, have several different versions of the directions so that not everyone's house looks the same when it's complete, or give different directions for schools, libraries, and public service buildings. You can also let students decorate their houses. Then give the class instructions on how to arrange the houses in a town. You'll need a large area of your classroom or a blank bulletin board to hold the completed town. Make sure your town description also includes prepositions to specify where each building should go i.e. the police station is across the street from the school and things like that. Have students work together to put their roads, landmarks, and houses in the correct positions in the town. Now the last activity uh, I want to share with you is called I Spy Lookout. And it goes like this. Give students a copy of an I Spy page or project one on your board. Ask your students to find certain objects that appear in the picture. When someone has found the object, they share it with the class where it is, but they are not allowed to touch the picture or point to the object. They must use prepositions to describe its position in relation to the other objects on the page. You can also play this game in reverse. In other words, you can have one student give clues to a certain object in the picture. Their classmates must then guess which object they're describing based on the clues. The person who first identifies their classmates object gets uh, you know to describe the next one for the class well my friend this brings us to the end of this episode and i want to thank you for listening to the teacher rockstar podcast i'm your host steve hiles and again we hope you've enjoyed listening to these tips and strategies regarding hands-on activities for english language learners now when you get a moment visit my blog and subscribe to my newsletter for the latest educational research best practices and unadvertised free bonuses Simply go to stevesclassroomresources.blogspot.com. That's stevesclassroomresources.blogspot.com. And don't forget to subscribe to us at the Teacher Rockstar Podcast. And if you'd like to support us, please feel free to share our podcast with others. Post about it on social media or leave a rating and review. That would be greatly appreciated. Thanks again, and we'll see you same time, same place next week. And remember, my friend, you got this.